da solo, bene, 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 Ciao Juventini, welcome to the Adrian Rabio show. Oh, wait, sorry, the all Juve cast, all right? Of course it's all Juve all the time, but my God, Adrian Rabio with the solid performance. How do we not have Lou on a show where he comes out and puts a game like that? Lou, good I, I, morning. I'm sorry, who? <laughs> oh, yes. Talking about. I keep getting tagged. I'm not even on Twitter. I keep getting tagged, you know, in these tweets. And I, I just don't know who we're talking about. Amazing. Amazing. Omar, great having you on. Lou, great having you on. We're going to recap Juventus and Ampoli. Okay. Um, man, didn't expect uh, four getting bagged, and it could have been a lot more. And uh, yeah, a little bit of a whirlwind there from first half to second half, but it's uh, great, great stuff. Okay, so we're going to recap it all, get into some news. There was some news hidden today, some clarification on a couple pieces from yesterday too. So we'll get to all of that, all right? We're going to say what's up to everybody. Jeremiah in here right again. Well done, Horsepower Rabio. Currently the engine and heartbeat of this team. Can't remember the last time we won 4-0. Finally, a set system, 3-5-2, that's building character and confidence. We're definitely oh, going to get I, into I, the 3-5-2, uh, players getting back, and all of that. And Jeremiah came extremely close with his prediction. Lou? <laughs> well, I, just I can say it's vain in the forehead. It's 2-0 for me. It just, I just like, you know, every time I refresh, it says 2-0. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, Lou has blocked everything, including goal notifications from uh, number 25, everything. It just simply doesn't exist in his realm. So there you go. Bobby Yoga, so ciao. Right on, Jeremiah, for getting close there on that. And, uh, oh, yeah, Anthony, nail it. Buckle up if we're sending Lou into this show. <laughs> Uh, amazing. And then Swari hitting on some news that we're definitely going to get into. Ciao, everybody. And uh, if you could take the quick second to just hit that like button is massive. Okay. And if you're new here, subscribe to the channel. So we're going to get to Juventus and Empoli real quick. We're going to get to a couple tidbits from the news that broke out today. Obviously, everything we had close eyes on and we're following was Federico Chiesa. All right. Getting his test match in there on that friendly Bagging himself a brace, inject that into my veins. Let's fucking go. All right. So great, great stuff with Chiesa there. And um, yeah, I mean, I think we're all ready, beyond ready to see this guy start to get some minutes. So yeah. Anything to add, fellas? Uh it, on the match, Moretti did score a goal. Uh, yeah. In the match. So that's that's exciting. Uh, and you know, I think that I speak for everyone saying that. Chiesa coming back is just it just it's been so long and it's just so great to see him back it feels this momentum we're going through to get him back would just be amazing for us yeah and it's all all the signs are starting to point in the right direction and getting this guy back is gonna be gonna be a big big boost omar yeah that that guy man he, he has everything we love doesn't he like i, I want him back that was a brutal injury Having a player like that when he just started bursting onto the scene, won the Euros, and bam, nine months out. No, couldn't have come sooner. Yeah, absolutely. Now. And uh, we'll end up seeing, of course, we'll keep you uh, 
everybody in the loop as we get closer to that Champions League match with Benfica, which, uh, again, we know we need help, but none of it's going to matter if we can't get our own job done. So we got to get the victory in that one and see what happens. We'll see if uh, how many minutes Chiesa can get and what can happen. Now, the other bit of news, and actually we should talk about this too while we're talking about, you know, uh, the young side and everything, and he got his uh, his test there and whatnot. It feels like every single match you guys are posting Keenan Yildiz goals. This guy is on an absolute tear, and it's definitely something for Juventini to keep tabs on if you haven't already. Like, unbelievable. And the last goal was ridiculous. Um, yeah. But go ahead, guys. I was just going to say, I don't think many people saw this, but we retweeted it from the account. But our friend, Mirko Di Natale, shout out to Mirko. He's the best. Uh you know, responded to one of our followers asking when he's going to get called up. Mirko had tweeted initially that, you know, eventually in the future, especially next summer, I think he becomes part of the first team. That's like kind of the feeling that next year he'll join the first team. And someone asked, but why next year? And he responded saying, well, it might happen before then, you know, like there could be a match, you know, the Coppa Italia, maybe towards the end of the year, like Moretti, where we start to see this kid. He's unbelievable. He really yeah. does score every time the Primavera play. It's, it's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. set six six or seven goals in nine matches or something like that. And, uh, yeah, and, and the goals, the quality of the finishes. And, man, it's it's unreal. Like, that's, that's pretty damn exciting. So, again, yeah. for all of those, like, Cherubini's project and everything that he's put together there, and, like, they're after a couple – other names that were just as like touted as Yildiz as well. And Juve's in the mix on all these guys up and coming. So again, we've all felt a little bit of unclarity over the project for some time, you know, and how committed Juve is to it and everything. But if there's one thing that's been going right over these past uh, few seasons, it's the work that's being done there. And I think we can all agree on that. So promising stuff with Yildiz. Omar, anything to add? Yeah, even Montero addressed it. They asked him after the match, uh, would we see him in the first team? And he said that's for the executive to decide. So we might see him this season, but this kid is, I don't know, is for real. I thought it was just, you know, something at the beginning and it just keeps on pumping goals. So it seems like the real deal. Yeah. Sorry, Omar. While we're at this, Montero spoke yesterday, or maybe it was yesterday, but either the day before, after the Primavera game where Yield scored and he talked about you know, the youth project and kind of the results they're seeing and the player performances and the work that Juventus has done and, you know, kind of complimenting it, but then also talking about his job and the club's kind of priority, which is to, you know, teach these kids what it means to represent the shirt, to, you know, to the desire to win, to work hard, the sacrifice. And when you hear that from your U19 coach, you know, we know Montero's place in Juventus history. Fans love him. He's a part of our history. Um, but to hear him, and that's what they're teaching the U19s after the board had that next-gen kind of thing where they were talking about it. You know, to hear that from the coach, it's a good sign because that's how you build culture from top to bottom. And I think that's what Juventus have kind of tried in his last two, three years is to build culture from top to bottom. So credit to the Primavera, really. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the last piece of news before we get to uh, Juve and Empoli recap and everything is going to be Bonucci and contract renewal and update because there was news of Bonucci getting an extension or whatnot. And obviously um, 
that got everybody kind of fired up. But I guess it's been clarified that what it's actually going to be is just the option that was already in the existing contract being taken up, taking him till 2024. So did I get that correct, guys? Is that kind of what's been put out today? Yeah, there was like an option to 2024 and they exercised it. So it's not an extension by one more year. It's just uh, exercising the option in his yeah. current contract. There you go. So I, I, just a quick, I believe last year we reported that his deal, because it was rumored in the summer that he was going to at some point during the season restructure his deal, that his deal was kind of similar to Chiellini's where it's like, if he wants to play another year, it's his, but he can hang up and quit anytime. You know, there's no like the Juventus won't have to pay him throughout his contract. Um, and I think this restructure is just, you know, to take a pay cut and, you know, just like everyone else, like get below the salary marker. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. So we got clarification on that. We're absolutely jacked up on Kiesa. And then let's get to the 4 0 victory. So, um, yeah, in basically in predictions uh, yesterday, I uh, had a couple calls. I called 2-0. I didn't think we were going to bag four. I thought Keane was going to get on the scorecard because he's been on uh, an upward trend as of late with the determination and effort and everything. And I thought, hey, he's going to deserve one. And I thought we were going to get a bunch of opportunities uh, playing Empoli and whatnot. So it was partly there. But I didn't call four goals like uh, Jeremiah did and whatnot. So uh, props there. We're going to get to uh, lineups and everything like that because the lineups – Again, when we saw what was going to happen, there was a real, probably only one change, I guess. Yeah, there was two changes that were kind of going to be question marks. One was, was Milik going to play up top or was it going to be Moise Keane? So Keane ends up starting the game next to Vlaovic. Across the middle, it was exactly as anticipated with Quadrado and Kostic as your wingbacks, McKenny, Locatelli, Rabiot uh, in the middle. At the back for the three-man defense, we ended up getting Rugani, and sitting Sandro Danilo on the left side of Benucci. Okay. So, uh, and that was actually one of the things I called for, except I wanted Gatti to probably get the minutes in this one, but it was Rugani and that's fine. Uh, Rugani's been serviceable since last season and really up to this season two, he's been serviceable. So um, I had no issues with the starting lineup. What did you guys think on the starting lineup? I know, I think Omar is going to be the one to get interesting uh, in this one for lineups, but uh, we'll get Lou first. Any thoughts on lineup other than uh, we were one guy short because 25 was in there? Yeah, I mean, playing with 10 men is just, you know, I don't know why I like <laughs> it all the time, but, um, you know, there's just a blur on that side of the pitch for me. I just, I don't know why that happens. Um, but, you know, I said in our chat, I was happy with Keen playing Vlaovic. Uh, I said post-match, you know, after the derby, I thought that Keane and Vlaovic complement each other well, and I think that he plays better with the center forward. So I was happy to see that. Uh, I didn't particularly like the middle of the park just in general. I, I thought maybe something would be shook up there, but, you know, that was really my only kind of hiccup was kind of that, you know, between the wingbacks and the midfielders, would, would something change? Maybe Moretti get in there, Fajoli even, you know. But um, the back line, I have no problem with. I just note on, on Gatti, if he's not playing, I wonder if maybe there's something that we don't see as fans. Like maybe he's just not as great in training as, you know, he was before. Maybe there's just a hiccup there. So I'll be curious to see if he plays the match next weekend against Lecce or not. Yeah, I would anticipate him getting the start against Lecce uh, for sure. And then it would kind of make sense 
if not, then yeah, something might be up there. Uh, props to Michael Razzo. His prediction was also very close. Could have been 6-0, yes. We are going to get to this one as we recap a little bit further on Dushan uh, essentially not really getting a ball or chance uh, yesterday. We're going to get to that after. Omar, your thoughts on the lineup before we quickly recap the highlights? I, I took a massive L. Like, I, I was bitch, bitching before <laughs> hey, man. the... Hey, it happens. Happens. Oh, it's happened. You know what? what do I know? <laughs> There's a reason I don't sit on the Juve bench. I, you know, I, I saw the lineup and I was like, who are we playing? The guys who are supposed to leave at the end of the season or like a mix between the guys we don't want to see and all the youngsters and all the talk about our project and all this stuff and we don't get to see these guys play. But what I say and what happens on the pitch is an entirely different thing. We won for nothing. I'm happy to be wrong uh, when this is the, the result and the outcome. So I don't know if it's something we should bank on. Maybe it was just before the Benfica match, but it proved to be successful. So who am I to judge? And thank you, Max, for the 4 nothing win. And that's it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, we just got to ride it out and see, depending on what we think on those lineups. And that was one of those days for uh, Omar. And I've had many myself. I think we all have. But that's a that's a, that's awesome. That's what the team needs to do. It's basically, yeah. uh, you know, deliver and uh, do it for Max, too. If he's the one making those calls, they got to back them up. So we've always said, like, it's not just solely on Max. But some of it's on uh, the players, too, and they had to pull, pull up their socks and uh, get their pride involved in the mix here and get together. These little team huddles you're seeing pre-match and post-match, that's a nice sign. That's a nice sign, yeah. and everybody's involved. Like that's, that's coming a long way from dropping matches to teams you should have no business dropping, and then portion of the squad acknowledging the fans and some of the guys walking away to the locker room can't be bothered with it. This is a much, much better sign. Um, maybe of, maybe uh, the Retiro. Maybe that's the effect of the Retiro. That maybe that's what they did, like huddling up the team, making them play together. Less, you know, of a tactical stuff, just making them work together and game by game. That's what it looks like to me. I yeah. can tell you I will be excited if I see this lineup again. I, I probably <laughs> won't. But let's hope I'll keep being wrong and Allegro keeps being right. I think the exact quote in our news chat was, this lineup has seven out of 11 players that I would sell this summer or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was, it was funny. Am I wrong? All right. Am I wrong? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that the AGC tweet of the match? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Okay. So we went through the lineup again. We all kind of had our thoughts there. I'm kind of with Lou. I would have liked a little bit more dynamic player in the midfield, but it was all good. And uh, the back line, I like the fact that they had two actual center backs in there and Danilo shifted to the left because we had quad on the right. I thought that was great. Um, we'll get into the game now. So we kickstart this thing in the right way. And Moise Keane getting a well-deserved goal for his efforts over the past uh, few cameos and matches. Um, he's been working his ass off, gets it eight minutes uh, in off a nice uh, little cross there from uh, Kostic. We're one nil up. Then uh, you get a uh, little bit, a uh, little bit relaxed, uh, probably 10, 15 minutes after that from Juventus and whatnot. Uh, we're kind of carries through, but 
to be honest, um, we still got our chances. And we had a cross from McKinney that ends up finding Keane uh, on a free header. He just uh, puts it wide. Quadrado. Quadrado gets stripped, giving uh, Empoli probably one of their best chances of the match with Destro like in the area all alone. Uh, luckily, they closed down quick enough to force him to shoot from there. And uh, he didn't quite put it where he wanted it. And Tech makes the save. But uh, Quadrado, we're going to talk a lot about Quadrado as we get later on, okay? Um, another rip from uh, Empoli, deflected by Destro as it was making its way. Uh, caught Chesney completely. Luckily, the deflection carried it wide. If that would have deflected towards goal, probably would have been even. And again, you've got Juve kind of relaxed after that one uh, nil goal a little too relaxed for my liking and suffering uh, because we just gave them possession and we sat way too far back in my opinion with the back line um, again Quadrado ends up finding McKinney rips one turns and rips this one but uh, couldn't slide it through the keeper it just hit his body and deflected out and stopped it um, and then you have a cross back post for Empoli that Piazza attacks. We don't want Piazza scoring against us, okay? Our uh, annual loanee where we uh, loan him out every year for I don't know how many years now. But uh, it finishes on that, and that's halftime. Um, honestly, outside of the start and the 1-0 goal, I thought I was very frustrated in the fact that we just simply let off, especially because of the fact that with us playing in that manner, we still were able to generate. I thought that game was there for the killing in the first half. First half kill these guys, especially with the Champions League match on uh, Tuesday, get a little bit more rotation on, and it was there. The fact that we played and we had our line dropping so far back and we could still generate a few opportunities while being absolutely played off the pitch in terms of possession, barely having the ball and still being able to generate opportunities that could have ended up in goals. I thought, man, that that game was there for the killing in the first half against an Empoli um, that essentially was just so focused on Vlaovic that everybody else was able to find moments and opportunities, basically. But uh, frustrating one for me. And I saw some bad sequences in that first half that I didn't really like when Quadrado would get up the pitch, obviously slow things right down. He'd lose it. McKenney did a great job covering. And if you watched Locatelli, Locatelli in this one, he had a, a solid game, a really solid game. He's up there for man of the match for me in this one. And we'll get to that after the highlights. Locatelli was directing traffic when these guys got caught on the offensive and gave the ball up. And McKenney went back, covered Quadrado. Quadrado comes back. And I'll, I might add, very slowly for someone who's out of position because uh, he got caught there, he comes back. And when he does come back, McKinney's still occupying his position. He goes to that position and ignores the guy who McKinney should have been marking but couldn't because he's covering him. And then he's not even directing or communicating everything. It's it's shocking stuff for a guy who's supposed to be a veteran on this team. But I saw that. Not on one occasion in the first half. Three times I saw that. Where Quad was just like, okay, man, he's covering you there. You take up his position until you can get sorted out. And it's it's frustrating. But first half, I was actually not happy despite the 1-0. Um, your guys' thoughts on after the first half. We'll start with uh, Omar. 
Yeah, I, I was doing the, the tweets from the main account, you know, the live action match. And I, I wrote that it's nothing new. It's nothing we haven't seen before. Early goal, drop back and let the opposition take control. And maybe against a better side, we didn't end up uh, that half leading because they had their chances. Quadrado is an anomaly at this point. It seems like he's the only one who just does whatever the hell he wants, not considering tactics, lineup where he should be, what he should do. And I, I'm kind of sick of him. I've been sick of him for a long time, but to the level that he shouldn't be in the starting 11, uh, in my opinion. the We'll get to his assists later, but I really wanted to see Juve go out to the second half uh, swinging, and which they did. But up until that point, I felt like I felt in every game so far. Starting yeah. well for 15, 20 minutes and then dropping down and usually conceding. Yeah. All right. That's that's fair. Uh, Lou? Yeah, I mean, a little bit of the same. I think that like that first half, you could say that you know, and the famous words of Gattuso, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Like it really was. <laughs> like it just, there were periods where you would watch it and you think, okay, like this is, the, the team looked like it was moving like a unit. There was patterns of play. Like people were making runs off the ball, especially in the opening, you know, 10 or 15 minutes where we got the goal. Like there were some patterns, but then the drop-off was, you know, it wasn't even just that they were sitting back. Some of the passes they were making were a little sloppy, you know, errors like Quadrado, uh, as you mentioned now. Um, you know, where it's kind of running around everywhere, but I thought to highlight one part, I thought the midfield as a whole, even that first half when it dropped off, didn't they kept their level, you know, throughout that whole first half. And McKinney, Locatelli, Rabio, they were all doing like their, you know, their work and they were all, you know, doing their jobs adequately. Um, you know, I thought like, you know, it's kind of the rest of the team that really wasn't. Um, and also Juventus this season for how many attacking woes they've had have counterattacked very well. So I think that's why we were able to get some chances despite not playing you know, particularly well for most of that first half was that the counterattack has always kind of been on for us. Uh, it's the one thing we do very well in attack. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great points guys. Uh, good, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, the Quadrado thing as Omar's talking about him, uh, think he shouldn't be in love we're gonna get to ratings and stuff after and really dive into this because there's already some comments in the chat uh, just about the numbers and whatnot but i don't know i don't know uh, even with the numbers i see too much uh too much that could be a, a detriment and whatnot but we'll carry on second half come on let's get it going and you know what they did this second half god damn it where has that been where has that been that is the tempo that's the that's the one thing like for me the tempo at which we played the second half which I don't understand why we cannot see consistently guys talk about quality of players all the time and and this and that sure it's Empoli and I've got my thoughts about Empoli as well but that tempo should always be like our standard like what we should be aiming for to play with when we play so drab, so slow. I, I call it all the time, and you can see it, and all of us can see it. That's when our turnovers start to skyrocket because we're playing so slow, legs aren't moving, everybody gets lazy, and there's no options for players. Part of it's system too, but 
the tempo, that tempo should be what we strive for in every single match. It's the only thing that I picked out that we actually did differently. We didn't do anything differently this game as far as like system goes or anything like that. It's just we played with the proper tempo. We were able to cause problems for those guys. They focus so much on Dushan while everybody's saying, you know, uh, there's some comments there. If he wants to be a top striker, he's got to be better at positioning everything. Look, their game plan was literally shut down Vlaovic. And what have I been saying for so long? When our key guys get focused on like that, it's up to the other guys to step it up and find their avenues. Because if they're going to try and rule out one that intensely, that means there's opportunities for other guys. In this one, the other guys were finding their opportunities and a couple of them made the most of it. Uh, Lou, you wanted to add on that? Yeah, just on the, the Vlavish thing, fans, listen, the, he's not a perfect product yet. He's also 22 years old. Like He's a great player. He will become a great player. But there are things that obviously in his game he's going to have to learn, right? You know, that's just part of, you know, growing up as a player. Yes, we paid a high fee for him, but that doesn't mean he's not a 22-year-old striker. Like, it just, you, you got to give these guys some time. Like, you know, I think people think that, you sign someone at 21 and just because he scored 30 goals at Fiorentina, he's going to be Erling Holland. It's just not everyone's like that. And, you know, it just takes some time. Like we got to relax a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, Raymond saying, did you find when Moretti came on, there was more interchange in the midfield a little bit, a little bit. Um, it's one of the things I've been uh, kind of criticizing the team for is when you look and we'll get more into that in the post uh, match when, our midfield just doesn't play as a unit and together. And in Rabio, Locatelli, and McKenney, you really see that, that there's not a lot of interchange between them. A guy like Quadrado, a guy like Kostic, they see a ton of play, and it be we can become one-dimensional. And you see our guys bombing forward, the Metzalas, like all the way up to the line. And it's, it's something I've been keeping tabs on because if a team, and this is what we didn't expect from Empoli, I said it in the match day live. I wasn't sure if they were going to play their standard uh, four two three one, or if they were, or sorry, four three one two, or if they were going to go with uh, an extra defender back there to make five and widen out. Because when teams do that, shut down our flanks, then it really highlights how our midfield doesn't interchange mm -hmm. and work together to build up uh, the pitch and whatnot. Something but, that really shines through. Go ahead, Omar. But. The, it's like they listened to our last podcast. Like they didn't drift wide. Both McKenny and Rabio, like they did in the previous games. This time they stayed central and got into the area and around the area, but not out wide, like we got used to see. And, and what can we say? Three goals out of from the midfield. Yeah, what does it work? You know, what, what you mentioned about the wings and kind of gets lost in this performance is Kostic's performance, especially in the first half. How many crosses he was getting into the box. I mean, I thought this was his best game in the Juventus shirt. I really did feel like, you know, the crosses he was getting were quality. They were dangerous. He could have had more than one assist in this half if people finished off their chances. Uh, but I think having that outlet, you know, even the runs he was making, you know, it sets up your midfielders to make that ball, you know, between the, the fullback and the center back. You know, he's making those runs where I think before – there wasn't a whole lot of that. And even when he was making those runs, maybe they weren't getting picked up, but because the midfield, it, everyone understands their jobs, right? Locatelli is the tempo guy. McKinney is, you know, kind of that forward thinking Mezzala, right? Rabio is doing his thing, you know, whatever that is. 
you know, the rest of the team is kind of working off of it. And once you have that part of it, you could start to see these kind of runs and these patterns of play, like, you know, kind of develop. It wasn't really landmark in the first half, but when we get to the second half, you really, really see that. Um, and there's a few other points about the second half we get into once we get through the highlights. Yeah, we'll rip through the rest of the highlights here. Um, so, again, second half, tempo, uh, big thing. But uh, we kick things off, right? Uh, McKinney gets to the corner kick, sent in by uh, Quad. Okay, and uh, we're up 2-0. Nice seeing him get on the board. I mean, if he's going to be getting that many minutes, these contributions from these guys are huge and will only boost their confidence, right? So, good there. We got Kostic. Um after a long cross flashed over from the right side, falls to him. He takes a stab at it and just uh, drifts his wide of the short side corner. Then you got uh, Rabio again on a corner kick. He gets his in there and uh, goalie getting a palm to it, but it was over the line. Three nil. Okay. And uh, yeah, 25. Sorry, Lou. Uh, Rabio, it was three. Okay. Wasn't two nil still. And then uh, Milik. He ends up coming into the match. He flashes an open header, which should have been buried. He's going to, he wanted that one back for sure. But we're all over them. The tempo is just massive. Moretti ends up entering the match. We talked about a little bit of the interchange helping a bit, but my God, Moretti did everything right on this opportunity. The touch was beautiful, the feint, and then just uh, not able to uh, find goal, but uh, fantastic stuff from him. He really, really. Oh, I wanted him to get that one so bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just goal. wanted and to Ealing see him Jr. finish that one. Well it's too. all good, though. Uh, promising stuff from the kid. And uh, big congrats again to him on getting best Italian U21 okay, at the Golden Boy Award. So fantastic stuff there. And then you have Danilo end up coming up uh, the pitch there on his run, finding the horsepower, Rabio to tap in, get his brace, Fourth goal season, uh, 4-0 finish. Great second half, okay? So there you go, lads. Okay, Juve, great second half. More of that, please. It was a, it was a good 82 minutes. Let's be real here. Okay, more of that, please. Okay, <laughs> but honestly, now as we'll recap the match, we'll get into everything. I want to get into, um, before we get to the performances and man of the matches stuff, We'll get the AJC tweet out of the match. And it's not even a tweet, okay? For me, I said, don't ever do this, all right? But it's an image. And if I'm going to be put through it, God damn it, you are as well, Lou. But actually, Lou, maybe just just maybe close your eyes, just cover them or something. I don't know if it's – I don't want to kill you. But this has got to stop, guess. everybody. But there's no what AJC tweet of the match. But this is what's going around. This is the kind of stuff that's going around. Take it easy, Take it easy, everybody. You see what I mean? People go, Lou, you're negative. Why would you do that? And this is <laughs> this is why. This is what we can't have happen. Oh, friend giraffe. Look, and not not be like, being serious for a moment. Like it's fine. It's all good. Just do that. Thirty matches a season. Thirty out of almost sixty we play, and it's fine. I'm fine with it. Don't do that once every ten games. I don't think I'm fine with this ever. <laughs> no, this, this, this is the most exaggerated thing I've seen in a while. <laughs> yeah, so the thing with Rabio, we'll get to it. So first off, we should just go on uh, Man of the Match. So everybody that's here in the live as well, get your Man of the Match in right now, and we'll see who everybody thought was Man of the Match. Uh, we'll kick this one off with Lou. Lou, who's your Man of the Match? Uh, Locatelli. 
There you go. So Locatelli for Lou Omar. Who's your man of the match? He took mine. Uh, no, I'll have to say Locatelli too. No, you know what? Screw oh, you, Rabio. Yeah. Rabio, there Rabio. you go. Honestly, I'm not in the black book, Omar. <laughs> yeah, I've been in your black book for a while. So, <laughs> so Locatelli was going to be mine as well. Alex P saying, uh, man, match Loca without a doubt. Um, Anthony saying Loca had a banger of a game yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, Danilo was a shout for me as well. Uh, Danilo continue. So it's funny because I've been the one out there fighting the good fight for Danilo and Locatelli this entire time that people are, you know, getting fired up on these guys and whatnot. Look, Danilo is far from an issue, okay? Like, far from an issue. This guy gives, like, number one, for a team that's had injury problems for several years going into this one, Danilo's always fit, and he's actually in excellent shape. And if you watch his training regimen and whatnot, it's intense. Like, he's up there with the likes not far off from guys like Ronaldo when it comes to, like, training and physical conditioning. Um, the other thing is he gives you 150% every single time he's out there, whether the quality and execution sometimes fails. Hey, that happens to everybody, but nobody can like, don't make a problem out of the guys that effort and work rate and determination is always at the top. Don't make a problem out of those guys. Locatelli. My God, Locatelli was being ravaged there for a while. And I said, look, when you've got, um, guys coming in, like Paredes, that have the same struggles, it's more of a system issue and problem with everything rather than it is the guy. And don't go hard on a guy like that that was used and run ragged last season by uh, Max and stuff. Like, hey, let's be calm and everything. And Locatelli said everything right post-match too in his words. And it was fantastic to hear. But this was a performance he badly needed. So, guys, you want to touch on the Danilo Locatelli thing before we get into some other performances? Uh, yeah, I just think you know, Danilo, listen, I get it. It's He doesn't reinvent the wheel. He's not a pretty fullback when you think about it. But he does his job, and he does it well. I mean, yesterday there was a, there was a period where he made a mistake. He you know, anticipated a ball too soon. It got past him, right? I, I forget who it was. Whoever was on the right flank for Ampoli was running down the side, and he caught him. He was behind a couple yards, caught him, made a great tackle, celebrated it, and, you know, recovered very well. These are things that a lot of our players don't do specifically well. So it's just, you know, that he offers a little bit of veteran leadership. You know, people are just, like, hating a guy that's, like, trying his best, right? You know, it's just – that's a little uncalled for, in my opinion. Um, as far as Locatelli, Al, you summed it up best. This is – probably his best performance this season. He really needed it. I think putting him back in that role in front of the fence, letting him, you know, kind of, you know, manage the the midfield to the fence, kind of link there, you know, slow things down, protect the fence a little bit. I think just it complements his abilities more. And we can forget this whole, you know, Medzala number eight, you know, Locatelli thing. Yeah. And in terms yeah. of Michael Razo, not uh, clear on what Locatelli said. For anyone that missed it or whatnot, these were his words. Uh, essentially, this year, I know the expectations on me are raised. I want to give my best. Something clicked for us as a group. We are more united now. From the difficulties we've had, 
you can now see men. You need heart to wear this jersey, and that's what we're trying to do. That's fantastic. That's exactly how you should address all this. It doesn't get into the criticisms and all this whatnot. He says, look, I know the expectations are raised, and I want to match them and whatnot. And he acknowledges the difficulties and uh, says, hey, you acknowledges the shirt and what it takes to wear it. And that, yeah, he might have not been there, but he's going to do his best to be damned. Get there. I love it. I love it from Locatelli. Fantastic yeah. stuff. I, Omar. I yeah. oh, go ahead, so, Omar. Yeah, you summed up Locatelli, so I won't add the, the needle thing. There's playing with three at the back and having like the two outsides. Uh, like like Sandro and Danilo, it adds another value. Like that's the way Atalanta used to play. The one defender always joins the attack. So Danilo, who was, you know, pretty, most of the game he was in the back line, so he didn't waste too much energy. Then these guys can give you a sprint like he did in the 90-something minute. And it's a tactic that works. It works for other teams. So I think Sandro and Danilo there maybe can add a different value that weren't accustomed to because we won't see Bonucci or even Bremen making that run for that ball. Yeah. And that's utilizing the two roles he has in the club as a right back and as a center back, which I would expect we'd see more. Yeah. Can I highlight someone who I think had a really good game that, you know, a lot of fans don't like, including myself. I thought Rugani was very good yesterday. You know, and there were a lot of players that were very good, but, Positionally, I mean, you look at just even like like his touch, some of like the the movements he was making were, were very good for someone who's, you know, a fourth choice center back. I mean, you can kind of see a world as to why Allegri goes to him first when you know one of your starters is down, even if we don't like it. I just think yeah, in the three five two, it just complements him a little bit more, right? There's- we said this last year, um, Anthony and I a lot on Rugani because he got quite a bit of time last season that mm-hmm. probably ever has whatnot. But we were saying it's different watching him last season to any matches previously. That that shaky leg nervousness that would come through in him is almost gone. Like yep. he's he just looks a lot more calm and more comfortable for whatever reason. And that that was going back last season. And this year it's a lot of the same. Like he just looks more confident. Uh, he's he hasn't he's not an issue by any means. Um there's worse options great. you could pull out uh at center back, like if your main guy's down and whatnot. And uh yeah, yesterday yeah. he was absolutely fine. Absolutely I fine. I think he's great for these types of matches. Your Empolies, your Leches, your games before and after Champions yeah. League, it's fine. When we have to play him against PSG, then it becomes a problem. But as well, long that as should that's not his be something role, we need, uh, yeah, yeah. Ever as long make. as that's his role, I'm I'm fine with it. I have no problem. It does that very good. I think that's part of the problem, right? Where it's like last year when he got crucified after Villarreal because he was not very good in that second leg. No one really was, but him especially, you know, like. He should be in that kind of match, right? But this is the type of match where you can play him. He understands a 3-5-2. He's been in it before, and you're just like, all right, play this role. I don't have to worry about that because he understands it and he'll do it, right? And it's Empoli. It's his kind of level, right? Um, So, yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to him a little bit. Yeah, and I just want to go back, going back to what I was thinking. Uh, Obviously, positionally, it was a little bit better. Um, Omar highlighting the fact that the Mitsalas were not drifting uh, far out uh, to flanks and everything. But 
just to show you interchange and whatnot in the middle of the pitch still you have Locatelli around 67 touches which is roughly around what our registas get which for me is a little bit interesting yeah. uh, to be a little bit low uh, but then again when you look at possession kind of makes sense especially that first half 30 touches for Weston McKenney one of the other midfields and Rabio was at like 48 or something. So again, it's a little, it's just, it's just off. It's an interesting way we play, but again, it's something that we've seen where we really push the ball through Kostic, Cuadrado and whatnot. I think, I think against better opposition and teams that might shut those flanks down, that's where our problem lies. And we'll get into this game and how much we take, moving forward because i've said for a while now when the chips were down i'm taking it one game at a time one game at a time okay we'll go over the positives but then we'll think how we truly feel overall as his performance moving forward adrian rabio we have to talk about adrian rabio okay um lou man I, I i didn't set it up this way i mean guy put in the game uh jeremiah had him as his man of the match his boundless energy is contagious this season Seems to lift everybody's game. Good leadership and example on the pitch. Thoughts? So I had a tweet that uh, a lot of people misinterpreted. And it was basically this. And it backs up what I said on the Match Day Live and my daily update video when the news broke out that Chelsea might try to land him in January. And I said, look, if you're Juve, maybe you want to pump the brakes on that because he's going to leave Anyways, at the end of the term, I know you want to bring a little capital, but he's not the main guy I would look for capital. I still have Weston McKenney topping my list if we're looking for capital. Adrian Rabio, this season, whether it's because of a contract, because of a World Cup, whatever it is, what he's bringing is fulfilling his role and his job in the middle of the pitch. And I don't think I would take that away in January until season's end because we've actually needed it. And that's all I'm saying. People took that in terms, you're going to re-sign this guy? No, no. I'm just saying I would probably scrap that capital and look for capital elsewhere before sending him away. Guys, your thoughts on uh, Rabio there? And, you know, do you just automatically pull that trigger in January if the deal's there? Look, I, I checked some websites for, you know, overall performances uh, during the season. Rabio, according to some websites, is our best player this season. Uh, you know, according <laughs> according to ratings, it's not my opinion, it's what I checked, but yes, what was no. that? <laughs> Man, I had the picture of Rabio Lel Overs going oh. for the kill on Lou here. No, no, I'm just throwing out no no I'm just throwing out some stats. It's not it's not what I think. It's what you know Stats are like thong, they hide all that's important. So, and Lou, I don't know, Rabio has been has given us something we do need this season. Okay, uh, we, we didn't get that from anyone else. If we did, I'd say, well, Rabio isn't the best player, period. Uh, he's in our in our top 10, like he was in previous years. So, pull that trigger. I don't know, it seems like. It's like they have to choose in January, right? Either extend him or sell him for a minor fee or lose him for free and paying his entire salary. 
what would I do? I have no idea. We have to wait a bit and see some more games. Like I said, do that consistently and we can talk about something else. But one game at a time, this was a good one. Let's see him do the same against Benfica, maybe against Paris Saint-Germain, and then we'll talk about our options. Right now, status quo. So we get to some of the comments here. So Nader say McKenny for sure. Rabio, if he wishes. Um, Anthony coming in here, just adding uh, more salt to the wound there for Lou. Uh, <laughs> listen, Michael, this is funny. Michael gives McKenny so Thank much you. flack, okay, and then comes out and uh, calls McKenny to score yesterday, which he does. And now he's saying, guys, come on, Rob, you're going to play like asking after. Look, that's fine. But right now, in this moment of time, my question is to you. If you had the option and you were going to deal one of those two guys, Rabi or McKinney, based on what we've seen so far, who would you rather keep around? For me, McKinney has done nowhere near enough as Rabio in terms of the roles. So I understand what, what you guys are saying to you know, valid points, but you like take the Chelsea link, for example. Chelsea is a very desperate club. They may miss the top four, right? They need help from anyone, <laughs> right? If your performance is, yeah, I agree with that. I'd probably, <laughs> you know, but like if your if his performances, you know, continue on this track that everyone loves so much, I, I don't get it, but whatever, you know, maybe they come up with like a large offer for it. Maybe you get like 30, 40, 35. That's about what McKinney's worth. So, you know. And you rab you without even think twice. Hey, I say that only at a lowered wage. It's got to be significantly lowered. Uh, because yeah. even these games, whatever, if he could if he was getting braces or even scoring a goal like way more consistently, okay, maybe a little higher than half, but uh yeah, we, we need I, I we need some more. The, but uh, after the World Cup, I think that you know management is going to start looking at some of these expiring contracts, the ones they can renew or not. Um, so I think that some of these guys that, you know, have expiring contracts that might be sold in January, maybe they know aren't renewing. So I think we'll, yeah. we'll know then kind of like what's Look, going on. There's one other factor in this whole situation. Like there's Pogba lurking in the background. Yeah. And when once he comes back, someone, he throws the entire midfield, you know, into a tornado of who's going to play or... Paredes signing, we pay him a lot. You're Lucatelli. Uh, if you don't sell McKenny and he's doing fine, rep. I mean, who is being dropped? And Lou, what would it take for you to turn the corner for Rabio? Uh, the vet minimum? Yeah. His oh, man. gets fired as his agent? I don't know. Firing the funny the thing agent. is, this is another <laughs> thing about Rabio. All the crap that I give him to about his mom being his agent, all this stuff, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they have had, they've caused Juve no drama. No, no they've issues. been pretty good for Juve. For What's them. that? They've been pretty good in terms of drama. Nothing. Dude, they've been, there has been no issues. Hanin saying Lou needs to apologize yeah. to Ravio. Hanin, the agenda always comes first. Oh, man. So, look here. Here's the thing. Uh, number one, when it comes to Rabio and these rumors in January, I don't, I don't think anyone's coming out paying for a guy that's going to be, you know, free. Maybe just maybe depending on world cup and, you know, if he can keep performances like that rolling, maybe a team that really needs it might take a stab at it, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I would expect him to finish. And honestly, this, the hypothetical was just, if the deal was in place, I thought Juve should probably think twice about it based on what he's been doing. 
He's been, uh, and like Omar pointed out, some say are best in the middle of the park. The other guys have been kind of just not there. Now we get to the middle of the park leading into obviously the Champions League match. Everybody's been naming this particular midfield and I want to get your thoughts saying we need to play Rabio, Paredes, and Locatelli in the middle of the pitch as R3. Guys, how do you feel about that midfield? Is that the way forward for Juventus, obviously, in terms of until Pogba actually does return and whatnot? What do you guys think about that midfield? Um, I, I think for right now, this current midfield, I keep it. Don't change anything. In fact, I'd go to Benfica with this almost exact lineup. But minus the Rugani played center back, I think that changes, but you know, don't really mess with anything while it works. I think that right now you have three players that understand their jobs, their roles. They do different things. They're not like Paredes and Locatelli kind of do the same thing. They get in each other's way. Don't mess with it. Right. Like the team yeah. is playing well, you know, if they play well, lose as long as they play well midweek. I mean, I don't really have much expectations for what could happen in the champions league. I think it's, it's kind of done, but the team plays well and they lose with this lineup. Like, just keep it the way it is until it's broke. Like, don't make another issue for yourself amongst all the other issues you have. Um, and yeah, you know, I think that also too having you know Moretti and Paredes off the bench, I think is part of the reason why in the second half we're able to hit the extra gear was to have people come on and give you fresh legs and energy and ideas. So don't fix it unless it's broken. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh... Uh, I'll echo what Luke said. Basically, uh, you just started, you know, racking up the wins, and the performances are a bit more convincing. So, don't change it. Like Lucatelli suddenly understands his role. Don't push him into a new role and make him understand new stuff. If it works, it works. So yeah. Far. So, you keep all things the same going into Benfica's match. Well, not all things, but the midfield, yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about all things. So 3-5-2, is 3-5-2 the way forward for Juventus and even when Chiesa returns? Because 3-5-2 seems to be how we've been able to generate our best halves of football and whatnot. It's been the 3-5-2. What do you guys think? I think until the World Cup, yes. I think after the World Cup, a 4-2-3-1 probably suits a fully fit team. But I think that, you know, like until the World Cup, we're not going to see the best probably of Chiesa, Pogba, Di Maria, whenever they come back, they're going to have a couple matches, right? It's not going to be yeah. kind of your peak. So I think now like it suits kind of this, you know, group of, I don't want to call the misfits, but kind of like, you know, like the, this group that we have, that's not extremely popular, you know, uh, it's just, I think for now the three, five, two, it suits them. And I think that they've been playing it long enough where it seems to be like they're starting to understand it a little bit. I don't want to get too overhyped, but it looked like, you know, a little bit in Torino, but more so this match, they understand it a little bit more. Maybe Allegri understands it a little bit more. Um, so I, I wouldn't change it yet, but I do think end game is the four, two, three, one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Omar. Yeah, I think, well, it doesn't play to the best of our abilities as the rest of the team goes like it's good for now because of all the injured players and Chiesa will take time getting back to full match fitness but once Chiesa, Pogba, Di Maria, Bremer are healthy then it's not our best line it's not the way to best utilize our players it's a good thing to have in your arsenal to shift into a 3-5-2 when you need it 
Yeah. Uh, but once these guys are back, they, they have to play. And I yeah. don't see them fitting all together in a 3-5-2. Yeah. And that's uh, pretty much uh, it. And that's exactly how I feel. Alex P is essentially nailing exactly what I was going to say. They're game changers, Case and Pogba. You change stuff when they return, um, not prior. So if the 3-5-2 is working right now, let's keep her going. Uh, once Kiesa is back, is that enough to do it on its own? I do personally believe, and even going back to the midfield, I wanted to kind of tie this all in. I still think we need to work a two-man pivot. I think we need to work a two-man pivot, and I think you need to put one attack-minded midfielder but play him out of the middle. I keep yelling this. I think it's honestly going to make a big, big difference for this team, especially when you're looking at this. McKenney, you know, yeah, he bagged his goal. It was off a corner kick that he gets his head to. He's got an aerial presence. Outside of that, 30 touches out of the midfield for us is essentially having a guy not terribly involved. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's Miretti's far more involved when he's in there and that's being predominantly left side when he's been in the lineup. Put that kid in the center up top ahead of your two pivots and let him be that guy for both sides, left and right and see what can happen. It's shocking to me we haven't at least tried it. He, the the thing is, I think, I think we will see it. Like, I think that it's it's there, right? Like, I think it in terms of ideas, it's there. I don't think McKinney is intelligent enough to do that role. To to get to, we know Allegri likes these hybrid like kind of mixes, right? It's like it's yeah. a two five two, but it's a four four two, and it's a four two three one. Like, it changes in phases of the game. And I think that when you have intelligent players like Chiesa and Pugba and Di Maria. You can do that, right? I just don't think McKinney like understands that yet. I think Moretti is a very intelligent player, and I think he gets it. He just maybe hasn't developed the skill sets to excel it, right? Like he doesn't have the goals yet to do that. But yeah. Pugba can do that. And, and even if you look big picture, I think Pugba's kind of the key to the puzzle because it's it's you know, you're talking about 28, 29 year old. Like, what is he going to be? Is it gonna be like the Pugba from France that plays in a double pivot? Or is it going to be the Pugba that we remember that could play further up the pitch, right? Is it that kind of Pugba? Because you see some of like the rumors the players were linked with in the midfield are more attack-minded players. Is that the grand plan? We don't really know. And I do think that's a part of it. Uh, I think you're right. Like that, that position is a part of it. But we're not really going to know until we see Pugba for a, a length of time what position he's going to occupy and what it's going to look like. Yeah, I, I think it's also a Dushan. A lot because right now he's the main guy and we saw yesterday and against torino like they focused their entire defense on stopping dushan which creates openings for the other team and for the other team members but not for dushan himself and suddenly having guys who are considered world class and you have to fear them like he is and like pogba suddenly i think vlahovic will find a bit more room and all of the attention won't be on him so Pushing Pogba further, closer to goal, will force the defenders to pay attention to him all game. And Dushan can really, you know, make something out of it. Yeah. Looking at it from my perspective, like what I was trying to get at is, if you don't try it before, it would help the rest of the team get used to having a player in that role, in that position, so that when Pogba does enter, obviously higher quality and whatnot, it should, in theory, they should be used to it. It's just a different body. And now all of a sudden they can move forward with it a little smoother. 
a little push, but I do think they tried it a little bit at the beginning of the season. I think they, they tried it in the Roma game with Moretti, right? And he did it very well in that match, right? But he doesn't, like, he's not a goal scorer or assist guy yet. He, he, I think he'll get there eventually, but, you know, he's only 19 years old. And they've tried it a couple of times with McKinney. I just don't think that those guys do that necessarily well yet. So I think kind of what we're seeing now is, is temporarily until someone can, you know, do it well enough to really execute it. We've seen it yeah. with Dean Maria a little bit too. I thought in the Maccabi game at home, he occupied that role really well. Even the Sassuolo match that we, you know, when we crushed them in the opener, I thought he occupied that role really well. You know, kind of that midfielder that's playing off the striker. He was doing that very good and it worked very well. We just, I don't think we have the personnel yet to do it every match. I think eventually we will see it though. So Anthony coming in here saying, Moretti doesn't have the body. He gets bullied, has the skill. But I think that only holds true if you're putting him pound for pound with McKinney as the replacement. But I'm talking about actually switching the position completely, playing at the center. So you have your two base pivot midfielders. They do the grunt work and most of the defensive side. Moretti's essentially working a straight line in the center of the pitch and then being that option for left and right as you close up into the final third and that link up to Dushan. So I don't think, I mean, that's in theory, like a he's got the build of a center attacking mid, really. Maybe he's a little shorter or whatnot, but I mean, if you're playing him as a side mid Salah, that would usually get bigger bodies and whatnot. So if you're playing him there already, I don't see any harm in trying him as an attacking mid ahead of the two base. I don't see how how, how physical is Modric? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I just don't yeah. see any fear in that, really. No, I, I think you know a, a lot of the Moretti thing. This is a player that you know just came to the first team, right? That like the minutes he logged in the opening match or the opening part of the season, I don't think was the, the expectation nor the plan, right? But, you know, injuries yeah. kind of change things a little bit. I think that, you know, what we'll see now is kind of the Moretti we saw when he first, you know, played, where he's able to take a match off. He's not playing it like every three days. I think that can be said about a lot of our teams. Is, you know, the, the healthier you get, the more you're able to get some of these guys a little bit fresh. Um, to come back to this tactical side of the things, I think that's why we've seen Keane inserted a little bit more. He could play kind of the center forward role that Dybala occupied last year that kind of made up for a little bit of that lack of, you know, creative attacking mid and Dusan does very really well with that. It, you know, they run off when he gets doubled, you have someone that runs off of you. I think temporarily until we get you, know, your Pogba, your Di Maria, even your Chiesa back, that's kind of what we're, we're looking at is that's the solution for now until you're fully fit. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely something to, to see as we get closer to those dates. Like, do we start seeing that? I mean, I think where Pogba plays is going to be pretty fascinating going into the World Cup and even after the World Cup for us. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Keeping it with the young guys, um, Fajoli, and obviously Fajoli's been in the news as of late about potentially uh, loaning out. We'll get to Storm the Barn too. So Storm the Barn questions are coming in. I've got one. Uh, from Hanin that we are going to get to. Uh, we're going to get to Jeremiah's first because he specifically brings up uh, Fajoli, which is, does Max have some beef with Fajoli? He never gets a minute, keeps getting snubbed. Thoughts on Fajoli's lack of uh, time? Does it come down to the fact in the preseason, like I was saying, he just didn't give enough, but I still thought he should have had some opportunities here and there. Is he just 
at the bottom of the totem pole and he needs to be moved to get those minutes. Where do you guys think? I don't think Max has any problems. Max has been a big uh, advocate of Fajoli's dating back to his first tenure with Juventus and always had positive things to say with Fajoli. So maybe that's why some are a little surprised at the lack of playing time. But what do you guys think uh, with the whole Fajoli situation? Do you think he's should have had more minutes up until now? Lou brought up a good point about rotation, keeping guys healthy and everything like that. I can't help but feel Fajoli could have been used up until now a little bit more to at least test it and give him more opportunities. I, I 100% agree. I don't understand like why he hasn't been used before. I mean, there, unless it's like the Gatti thing where it's like, like you said earlier in the podcast, Maybe there's something intriguing that we don't see, right? There's like something that we aren't privy to that, that yeah. they see and they're like alarmed by, but I can't figure it out. And, you know, like it's even like going back to the Maccabi post-match, which I've kind of used as a joke in our group message where Agnelli highlighted him and Swole and there are two players that don't play. I can't figure that one out. I just, I, I don't get it. Look, maybe, I don't know. It, it always brings me back to guys like, Jovinko, who everyone wanted to see play, was this talented guy, but he went through four managers and none of them, you know, saw fit to put him in the starting 11 consistently. And I said, well, if it's one manager, uh, then might be something between them. But if it's more than that, then maybe there's something in, in training we don't get to see that Max is, and that's what he bases his decision on. Uh, should he have gotten more minutes? Absolutely. There were tons of chances throughout the season so far and no just keeping him on the bench not playing him is not good for anyone not for Juve and not for Fajoli so if that situation continues until the World Cup then it's better for him to go to another loan in January maybe till the end of the season sometimes you know you can't fit everyone sometimes you just can't right my overall frustration with this, I think just in general with some of the youth players, if you don't think you're going to use someone like Fajoli, right, why not give him a loan? Like, or, or just get rid of him. Like, you ha at some point, you have to make a hard decision, which is, hey, we don't have space for this guy. We got to let him go. It's yeah. like they just made an empty promise. So now you're going to send him on loan for half the season and then bring him back next year. Where's your basis for that, right? Yeah. Like, that to me, like, you know, you see what the winter – Talk about his performance yesterday wasn't great, but the matches leading up to this, you know, playing well. Robella has had a very good loan spell at, at Monza. Yes, the hive is still thriving, you know, like it, that's why I don't understand. It's like, hey, like, why, why make that call to keep him if you're not going to use him at all? Like, I just don't understand it. Fajoli kind of gave them an ultimatum and said, like, I'm not going to renew unless I'm promised some type of, you know, uh, commitment from Juventus and whatnot. And it's all like, you know, he got it and we were all hyped up and then it's just been like, he doesn't even get the opportunity. Dells brings up a point here. There's a stigma coming from Serie B. And I mean, look no further to Gatti. Should yeah. Gatti have had more than 180 minutes so far in the season? I think so. The, here's yeah. the thing. Here's why. It's not like we have been thriving this year and guys are firing on all cylinders. So if there's ever a moment, and we talk about uh, rotation and injuries and whatnot, we've literally dealt with all of that. We've dealt with poor runs of performances. We've done. We've dealt with injuries. We've dealt with being thin at depth. And these guys still have such, such little minutes. It's hard to just completely wash out this stigma. 
yeah. isn't it? I, I mean, I, I do think that's a part of it. I was scrolling through the comments and I, I saw Tony's comment about maybe he just doesn't understand what, you know, whatever Max wants. It, that it, it's either it's got to be the stigma or it's that like I can't figure out which one it is but I just look back to Juventus and the way that we you know built our club and like the motto we were a standard in Italy and uh, how we did business right and you, yes Fajoli renewing was important right it's an important sign but you also have assets like Moretti you just signed Yildiz you know if if that's your ultimatum and you only brought a guy back for your ultimatum what does that say about your club it just there's a disconnect yeah. there that frustrates me and I can't figure out what it is, you know? Look look at what, what Verratti did. Verratti went from Serie B straight to Paris Saint-Germain, straight into his, the starting eleven, and look at his career and how it's going. He might not have gotten the same attitude in Italy, let alone at Juve. I can also look at, what's his name, Tonali. Tonali, Milan has a project of youngsters and he might have you know, gone down to Serie B, but he did get the minutes. He had a bit of a rough first season, but then he picked up. And I want to so, make this very clear because comments like the one Omar just made can be misinterpreted so quickly. Nobody's putting Fagioli at the level of Verratti, but what we're saying is you've got to shit or get off the pot if you're Juventus with these guys and cut the cord and either move accordingly, but we seem to drag on youngsters for quite a period of time to where they in, they eventually turn into nothing for us and then we still don't have that next contingency plan so there's value there that uv needs to kind of work in and i've always said this uh especially with Cherubini right now because his work is being highlighted so tremendously and with every guy that i hear about now these young guys these and now potentially a phenom in Yildiz integration that's going to be the biggest question for me regarding all these guys Rovella is another one that hey there was some of us saying why Paredes just keep Rovella around especially if it's going to be second fiddle to Locatelli or whatnot but we were all being told Paredes is better than Locatelli or not I disagreed like I thought no I don't really see that unless you were planning and your game plan was to play the two of those guys together Paredes Locatelli I didn't quite fully understand and I was told Paredes is going to come and you guys are going to forget all about Locatelli well I haven't and I still would pick Locatelli over Paredes uh gun to my head Rovella could have sticked around easily easily and he showed it in the matches he was being played prior to being loaned out and Again, now you've got uh, Paredes. Obviously, there's stipulations that need to be met to make it an obligation to purchase and whatnot. But again, you've got a team fighting the finances too. And Paredes comes in on you know a healthy wage, potentially going to be an obligation to purchase. Where does that put Rovella next season as well? Yeah. I, I, Another team with a decreased value. Could be. I want to highlight something you mentioned there about Locatelli and Paredes. And, um, you know, we give Allegri a lot of crap, and I think rightly so. Um, but to play devil's advocate, kind of big picture, I think the Rotoro, what they did, they met and they said, all right, who's the guys that are going to bleed for this team? Where's the, we need to find unity. We need to find, you know, people that play with passion. They might not be the best players, but we need that energy, people that respect the shirt, right? And I think that 
you know, some of the stuff you hear about Paredes and even Di Maria, you know, some of these guys, maybe they weren't respecting the shirt just enough. And maybe that's why you're seeing, you know, kind of the lineups we're doing is, you know, Max to his credit, maybe, you know, some of these guys, the coaching staff, they're just like, right. These guys aren't the best players in terms of technique talent, but they're giving us the most they're working the most they're showing us the most. And maybe that's the way forward. They're just like, if we're going to lose, we're going to trust the guys that at least are going to, you know, go out and perform. Right. So, you know, maybe there's an element of that kind of going on with that Paredes thing. Some of the reports we tracked in the news this week, a lot of disappointment from the Juventus management, not just in terms of performances, but attitude when it comes to Paredes. So, you know, yeah. I think that's a storyline to watch as the year goes on. Absolutely. Fantastic point. And to lose a point there as well, maybe these lineups and this everything is exactly that. Put the trust and the faith so – while it might be spun as age and the young should be pushed out, it's who are the guys that are going to bleed for the shirt and go out there and give it their all. So it's an interesting thought. One other interesting point Alex P made in terms of our discussion about the young guys and even uh, Fajoli and whatnot, maybe this moment, this current moment and all that animosity, all that tension was just not the right scenario for them to put those guys in at the front. And that's why they, another reason why they put the weight and the burden on the vets. It's an interesting, that's the flip side. Really fair point. And I think I'm sure there's people that will rebut that with like Moretti, but Moretti was around that team a lot last year. And last year there was a yeah. lot of crap that went around. Not as bad as this year, but enough where it was like, you know, very serious moments. You had the Ronaldo issue at the start of the year. You had some of the ups and downs throughout the year. You know, Alex could be right here that, you know, maybe it's just this is not a good time to integrate someone like that. Yeah. And, you know, a question here, Dan, but the real question is, are we going to beat a top 14 this season? Look, that's the tests. So far, Max has failed miserably in the tests, okay, that he's faced in his year and a half back. We've got – that's going to – our next gauge – may very well be well obviously we got a champions league match against benfica and whatnot but if we're talking about league that inter match is going to be big and if his big guns come back what does it become if the big guns come back and we fall flat on our face is it well they haven't had enough time together is it you know what i mean like you you're going to get another string look we're done with excuses we got to start getting the job done against these bigger teams and uh, measure up and move forward but uh it, it's it's interesting when you think about all these um, scenarios circulating around Juve. Like we've they've dealt with a lot in a short time frame this season. Like yeah. this is massive. I had my doubts about Max being able to turn this thing around so far. And this is another thing about this game, this Empoli match, because you don't want to go up here after this match. But it's also much better than just down here where we were. Like we're probably about halfway and the only thing I saw change because tactically we've done nothing different. Okay. Positionally, we're maybe a bit sharper and better. We did nothing different in this match against Empoli, but in the second half, our tempo was incredible. The one thing that has changed and Lou alluded to it since the retiro has been the attitude, the attitude, the work rate, that willingness to sacrifice for that guy next to you. Rabio, countless amount of times getting beyond uh, to be level with the back line, made a couple great interventions yesterday. Um, you have the same with McKenney on the opposite side, doing the same, backing up Quadrado. Danilo making an error, 
busting his ass to get back there to make sure he's level with his defenders since the Benucci had to slide out to the right. That's the one thing we've seen change. Um, so I don't take a whole lot out of this Empoli match, but that has to remain constant. That's been one of my bare minimums that I've wanted from the team. I said, regardless of results, that kind of effort and determination is all I need to see to at least be able to be happy with what I'm seeing. The rest comes down to tactics. Um, how we're utilizing our key guys and getting the best out of them. But if there's the positive to take out of that, it's that that has definitely turned around. That's been one turnaround uh, I've seen. That's about I, all I take one match at a time. Omar? Yeah, I think, you know, climbing the ladder step by step, the next test uh, would probably be Inter. Yeah. Like we have, I don't know, what, four games till that match. Let's see improvement game by game and then we when we reach the match against either or in pretty similar situation to us that will be the next max test but one game at a time let's see yeah, improvement yeah. against Benfica and that's the first one that should be a win against the top four if everything goes according to plan so this comment it is true and that it is true. Really a workout. But what I wanted to say that I, I take away from this match, and Empoli is a difficult, they're a tricky opponent to play against. They're not your, like a typical mid-run, mid-table team. They are very organized. They're very difficult to break down. What I did like about this game was that, yes, they went to the defensive posture, you know, up until the second goal. But sometimes in games, it's not always pretty. And sometimes you have to grind games out. And I felt like they grinded out towards that second goal. They got it, they added some fresh legs, and then they just hit the blood, right? And, so, and I think that in the past, we, didn't, we wouldn't see Juventus grind down the game like that. In the past, I think that game probably ends up like a 1-1 or a 1-0 where it's, it's defensive the whole second half. They, we saw that a lot last year. And I just think that I don't want to read into it too much because it's only one game, you know, well, technically two games, I guess, but really only one. But, you know... I think that is a it's a good show of hey we were able to grind a game out we did it together they kept after it I don't know if you watch the body language of some of the players but very active even when the subs were on I mean I saw Kostic yell at Milik a couple times when he missed some of his mm -hmm. runs the the energy the unity kind of the way they celebrated it was just different and I think it's a good building block hopefully for something more they just have to keep building up on it. Yeah, that, that might be my main, you know, complaint towards Max. Like one nothing is very fragile, and we always drop back after that. Get that second goal, that deflates the other team, especially mid-table teams. Like, but your Parisian men will have. We don't score the second goal usually. We get that one not, nil. This is not necessarily just the problem that happened here. This is kind of something we've seen in the past too. It, I feel like sometimes. It is Allegri. Allegri is defensive. We know that. And it's it's, a, it's partially him. It's partially his instruction. But I think sometimes the players, when like it's not working, go into a safety net, which is like, what do we do best? It's defend. And they just like, they freeze sometimes. And it happened under Pirlo. It happened under Sarri a few times. I, I don't think it's sometimes mentally. And some of those players are still here. I know we've changed a lot of players. But some of those players, the leaders are still here. I feel like mentally they do that a little bit. And I thought yesterday, mentally, when they grinded out that second goal, which kind of came from nowhere, they were kind of like, okay, like we can do this. We can come out a little bit more. Like we can, 
we don't need to necessarily do this for a whole 90 minutes. I, I think that there's a mental part of it that is improving a little bit with the players that may help this defensive. Yeah. And I don't want to be someone, listen, I'm not like an Allegri apologist. I don't want to be that kind of person, but just to play devil's advocate, I think that's a part of the equation here. Listen, so we've kind of, I just want to highlight Hanin's because this was essentially his storm. The barn was, have we actually finally turned a corner and whatnot? So I just want to highlight that uh, question and whatnot. But uh, listen, it's regardless of why, how, whatnot, but like a one goal thing, a one goal lead, that defensive line needs to step it up and they need to pick it up and they can't just drop back. It, You're right, Lou. It hasn't just come up. It hasn't just been a this season thing or whatnot. But regardless of the why or the how or whatnot, it is something that needs to be sorted out. Yeah. And like I said, even if we look at this particular match, you've got two goals from set pieces on corner kicks and whatnot. And then you have one at the end of the game on a fast break. Sure, there were chances in there before to really put the team. We could have had seven goals in this game, if we're being honest. Um, but still... Against better opposition, there are still things that this team needs to improve. One is that back line dropping off with a lead. That is massive. You can't do that against good teams and allow them. that. This game could have been killed early on, and we could have got rotation. We could have been in arguably a better scenario going into uh, the Champions League match, depending on who Max wants to play. But the other thing is, the possession, the amount of possession that we just sacrifice and against Empoli, things came a little bit easy, but they don't come that easy against these bigger teams. And again, we're pretty one dimensional in the way we attack and that didn't change yesterday. So this is why I'm still, you know, I'm optimistic about the attitude and everything there. I have seen a big shift, but I still see tactical parts of this game and this team that will creep up as you face tougher opposition. Tuesday is going to be a big one. Okay. Uh, against uh, Benfica there, we have to win or the help that we need doesn't even really matter. So it's gotta be a victory. It's going to be big. We have run into overtime here on the show, but it's been a wild discussion, like so much good stuff. You guys are uh, amazing. We're going to, get to one last storm the barn question from jeremiah we have to finish a show like this so lou will understand wow. can rabio score 10 goals minimum this season all competitions i believe he can lou would you like to take a bet with me oh what's he on now in all competitions i think he's on he doesn't have any in the outside tournament four or five maybe total i think four though Oh, Jeremiah. So hmm. six more goals. Are you willing to take that bet, Lou? I will buy Jeremiah a Rabiot kit if he hits 10 goals. In all. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Away. That's Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Rabio DM Jeremiah if uh, you agree to that. If he scores in 10, all, in 10 in all competitions, I'll buy you a Rabiot kit. Unbelievable. That's amazing. All right. Guys, been a, a great, great show. A lot to tackle. And again, really the message stays the same. And that's one game at a time, all right? But we did highlight positives, okay? And there are uh, great, great things going on as far as the unity amongst the squad and everything. That's on the up, okay? But uh, let's uh, let's, keep the, let's keep the wheels rolling on this train, okay? Or on this bus. Okay, Champions League, Tuesday. Guys, are we winning? 
Ooh. Yes. Let's just let's go positive. Yes. Omar, we winning? We do. Hell yeah. I don't make predictions the days leading up to games. But I'll tell you right now, Juve's not conceding in that game. That's one prediction I'll tell you right now. Juve will not concede, okay? They will not concede in that game. Uh, and we will win. We are winning on Tuesday. We will have another look on Grimaldo. Benfica wins so we can guarantee it. <laughs> I there want we Grimaldo We need, we need Skanga on here uh, calling for uh, the Benfica win so that they get a job, and then that will seal it. There you go. Guys, you've all been amazing. Again, take a quick second. Like the video, okay? If you're new here, subscribe to the channel. Everybody that's been tuning in on your audio outlets, get over to YouTube. Subscribe, okay? We're so close to 3K. Let's see what we can finish by season's end. Let's keep it rolling. All right, uh, AJC Army, you guys are the best. Don't forget when the recording ends to drop a comment, any comment, Skanga out, uh, Berto out, whatever. Drop a comment in there. It all helps the channel, okay? Forza Juve, fino alla fine, on to Tuesday, okay? Ciao tutti.